Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Legal Tech Week, the show where we get together and talk about the top stories in legal tech and innovation over the past week. Uh, it is, uh, what is it? It is January 6th, 2023. And, Has anything uh, ever happened on January 6th? I've... <laughs> Jeez. You know, I didn't even get the significance of that. Hopefully, we don't get stormed in the middle of this. Um, and uh, so we, so uh, I'm Bob Ambrogi. Do we even need to do introductions anymore? I mean, everybody knows who the heck we are, but I guess we can do it. I am Bob Ambrogi. We've got uh, a few of our regulars who haven't been here regularly back, and a few of our regulars who have been here regularly not here. So let's go around and do introductions. And uh, uh, Caroline, you want to kick us off? I haven't seen you for a while. Glad to see you. Yes, it's great to see you guys. Thank you for having me back. Um, yeah, so Caroline Hill, Editor-in-Chief of Legal IT Insider. Uh, I am based in the UK, but write about legal technology trends, news, etc. across the globe. Um, and it's lovely to see you all. All right. And uh, Victor Lee. Hi, everyone. My name is Victor Lee. I'm Assistant Managing Editor for the ABA Journal, covering business of law and technology. Joseph Patrice. Uh, I'm Joe Patrice. I'm a candidate for the Speaker of the House. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I mean, I've not gotten through on the last 12 ballots, but neither has anyone else. So I feel like I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I'm from Above the Law and the podcast Thinking Like a Lawyer. And now that's that's about all I've got. I, I think you've got the better job right now. I wouldn't switch to Speaker of the House. Fair enough. Stephanie. Hello, I'm Stephanie Wilkins, Editor-in-Chief of Legal Tech News at ALM. And Nikki. I am Nikki Black. I'm the uh, <laughs> Head of Subject Matter Expertise and External Education at um, Affinape, which is in uh, um, my case. Uh, that's the parent company of my case. And I um, write legal technology uh, articles for um, the Daily Record, Above the Law, ABA Journal, and sometimes other outlets. And uh, and sui generis. That's right. I, yes, and I do write a blog where I republish my Daily Record articles. And Bob reminded me this week that I have been derelict. And I, he's correct. Since really, since the acquisition happened, I the two acquisitions. <laughs> I got a little busy, but I want to start regularly republishing. I didn't say uh, you were there. derelict. I was just wondering whether it was still a thing. <laughs> it could have still been a thing. It just felt like <laughs> that sometimes certain things just have to give. And that was the first easy one to give. So, but I'm going to re I'm glad you reminded me and brought it up. So, yeah. Very well, can, I hope you prioritize this podcast over that blog and give <laughs> something up. Of course. So last week we talked about our top stories of 2022 and even made some predictions for the year ahead uh, and uh, should have given maybe fair warning to, to Victor and Caroline because Nikki, you you uh, weren't here last week and, and wanted to kind of go back and revisit some of your ideas about the top stories of, of last year. So uh, uh, in terms of uh, uh, providing equal time. If, if, if Victor and, and Caroline also want to weigh in on, on their top stories, I didn't give either of you any warning to prepare on that. But but let's, let's uh, we'll, before we get to this week's news, let's go back and uh, talk a little bit more about uh, the, the top stories of the year. And, and uh, so just so Nikki, you can have an opportunity to share your, your thoughts about that. 
All right. And thanks. And, you know, the primary reason that I really wanted to do that was because I wrote my, uh, I write um, the last column of my ABA journal every year um, on that. And so I did write a, a whole column. So I did want to uh, just really briefly go over because I know I don't want to rehash um, what you all talked about last week. Um, but uh, I, there were four that I really hit on and I'll just go through them quickly and let me know if you disagree in the comments. Um, the continued acceleration of legal tech funding and acquisitions. And it's the story that almost isn't the story, but it's still a story because it continues to just be so notable compared to um, how things used to be. And also I, there's a lot of unusual things happening already this year. So it'll be super interesting to see where we end up with it um, moving forward, especially as we've got these headwinds into a possible or almost certain recession. So we'll see what happens um, with that. But the those acquisitions and all the funding rounds were certainly notable and I'm sure that there will be some to come, but possibly less this year. The layoffs and the pivots uh, to ward off the recession were super interesting and we're certainly seeing those trends moving forward. And we're gonna talk about that today and some of the stories that other people had, um, have planned to talk to you about today. Um, an increased emphasis on legal tech ethics and competence. <clears throat> that for me was super interesting because for my daily record column, I tend to focus a lot on ethics um, issues that intersect with technology as they're handed down. And there were just, there's just been a fantastic amount of those since the pandemic hit. And it continues to be, um, there continue to be really interesting ones um, handed down, both related to remote work. And also, you know, there have been some coming down about um, phones and the contacts on the phones and confidentiality with those and other um, information that apps access as well. So that's interesting to me. And it's also, wonderful because it's just an indication that technology is at the forefront and is uh, absolutely a part of practicing law. So that's why the bar associations are now providing more and more guidance to help lawyers do that because it's really a given that they're going to be using it. Then last but not least, the robots are coming, chat GPT and all the potential uses with that. And that's been discussed ad nauseum. And I think we're going to talk about it again today. So I won't go into that anymore, but those were really the four top news items for me from last year, some of which we're going to see moving out into this year as well. Absolutely. They, we, I think we were, we definitely talked about all of those last week. And in terms of chat to GPT or GPT 3.5 and GPT 4.0 and everything else uh, beyond that, uh, you know, we could probably just like devote a segment of this show every week for the next year to that, just that topic, because there's going to be a whole lot of stuff happening and coming down the pike in that area. And we do have a couple of stories today we can talk about that that relate to that. But uh, uh, Caroline, again, I didn't give any fair warning on this and you've got a different story picked out to talk about, but I mean, do you want to, did you have any thoughts on kind of what jumped out at you over the, you know, that the headline of, of 2022? I don't have it. No, and I, to be honest, yeah, I, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of one headline, but just riffing off what he <laughs> said, just, just thinking of it. So um, I think investment, like Nikki said, you know, was obviously one of the interesting themes, certainly. And and I think that what was really interesting to me was this year of two halves concept. So in the first year, we saw huge amounts of investment. Um, uh, so I think it was, um, I mean, I'm not going to cite numbers, actually, but so there was a massive amount of investment that carried on through 2021 It carried into the first half of, of 2022. And then and then the second half of the year obviously has been a completely different picture. Um, you've obviously had very different um, economic factors and it will be really interesting to see. So I've been writing quite a lot about 
economic the, the economy and the and sort of the different ways that um that impacts on it and how they should be responding to that that's i've sort of done a three-part actually i've only written the first two of a three-part series about the economy um i think it, that's something that in the second half of the year everybody is talking about so far as far as the it directors i've been speaking to it hasn't had an impact on obviously during the pandemic we've seen some really exciting development and it, as yet it hasn't done what it normally does which is stop projects from going ahead but and, and it directors that i spoke to are quite optimistic about you know that the economy won't impact on all the, the exciting stuff that they've got going on but behind the scenes, I've spoken to some strategic advisors who have said, painted quite a different picture, who've said, we're speaking to the C-suite, and actually they're already talking about pausing big tech implementations, big projects. So it'd be really interesting to see um, how that plays out this year and whether the economy gets better or worse stable and whether, you know, obviously, ideally, they'll carry on investing in technology. But the reality, as we all know, is that that doesn't happen. <laughs> we can talk till we're blue in the face about, oh, it's going to create efficiencies and cost savings, but actually in a downturn, they'll start stopping investing. So so that's for me one of the, you know, and, and then probably the other one thing, well, I won't go on much longer, but is um, the legal operations space. So, you know, this sort of growth of CLM um, has been a really interesting trend and, and looking at Gartner's Magic Quadrant report for CLM, it was interesting to note the implementation issues. So there's been a big flight to CLM within the in-house sector, but actually not always the right thing and not always for the right reasons. And I think that given the huge amount of investment in that space, it'd be interesting given the downturn or whatever we're calling it, I think legal ops heads, in-house teams are going to be have to be very careful because CLM companies, vendors are going to be in a difficult space, potentially having taken on all that money. And there's a risk that they're going to be trying to sell at all costs. Um, so I think that it's going to be the onus is very much going to be on in-house teams to make sure that they do need the technology that they're buying. Um, I think that's quite an interesting space as well. Yeah. Legal, legal tech customers not buying the right tech or for the right reasons, I'm shocked, but what do you know? <laughs> yeah, it's not new, is it? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. Like dog bites man, whatever. Man, whatever. Um, <laughs> Victor, again, uh, you know, different story for this week. But I mean, did you have any? Uh, did you have any thoughts on just kind of what jumped out at you from last year since you weren't here last week either? Yeah, and actually, I mean, when Nikki and I were putting that list together. Um, because I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I, I, I mean, other than, other than, other than, a, other than a couple columns this year, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a usual column, column editor for the journal. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, like, and, and I think we mentioned this on, on a previous episode where it's just like, it seems like every year we end up, we end up putting us, because, because she's done, she's done, a, she's done this column for, I think, three or four years now, for us. And I think we, I feel like every year we, we, we end up putting something on this as, oh. You know, so much, so much was invested in legal tech this year. You know, I think we made a joke about it about how so we would just we just have like a template in there for, for you know, um, with with the bullet points loaded in and just just put in like you know the names of the the names of the of the companies and how much money <laughs> how much money was spent. But 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 but, but it's interesting too because it is just like juxtaposed to that was a, was in all the layoffs and all these companies that like like Caroline was saying that you know um, are worried about the economy and worried about what's coming. And so yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe this year coming you know going forward. Um, I mean, and we're already seeing it a little, a little bit in, in in not just the tech sector, the legal tech sector, but also just with law firms too, like laying out. Like I think there's a story that uh, above the law broke about uh, Goodwin Proctor about um, how they're how they're they're going to lay off a bunch of uh, attorneys and whatnot and and staff members and things like that. 
So that'll that'll be interesting to, to see that going forward. I mean, I think I think we've all been waiting for the other shoe to drop um, on the economy for a while now. Um, and you know, we've seen a couple of you know, kind of maybe some false dawns, maybe some false alarms. But you know, if if, if it does happen, then uh, you know that that's usually where it'll get it'll get felt the most. So it'll be interesting. To, I mean, it'll suck, but it'll be interesting to see it to see it, to see it, to see what to see how that affects the the level of investment going forward. And then and then also, I mean, one thing one thing that um, that we also talked about that didn't make the list was just. Yeah, kind of um, talking about just you know the ongoing the ongoing the ongoing difficulties regarding cryptocurrency and just kind of like how how um, you know you have you have you know people get you know, you have, you, you, have some, you have some fraudsters out there you have uh, wild fluctuations you know uh, crypto one day you know it's booming the next day it's 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 lost like you know however much value and and it just it just again it just seems like one of those one of those um, you know I, I don't know if it's a fad or if it's a or, or what but like. Either way, it's very volatile, and it and it you know it's probably something that needs to be at the very least addressed. But you know, if for for law firms out there, for lawyers who are, who are you know getting into the space or investing in it or accepting it as payment, they have to make sure they they do their homework and make sure they they um they you know aren't aren't being taken for aren't being taken for a ride by someone like you know um you know the 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 the, the Friedman whatever I, I don't remember his name Friedman Bank or whatever. So yeah. allegedly, yeah. so um. So, so yeah, I think, I think, I, so for me, that, that was one of the ones that, that, um, uh, that, that was another one of the stories that maybe didn't make the cut, but, 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 but I thought it was a big one. Yep. Interesting. You know, we're all talking and obviously the Goodwin thing is a big deal too. Uh, we're all talking about this recession and it's definitely true that law firms are freaking out like something's going to happen, but the numbers just aren't there. I say this because today was the release of the jobs report and, uh, University of Michigan economist that I follow, uh, economics professor that I follow, was just like broke it all down and tweeted out this morning. He's like, this happened, this happened, this happened. That means that anybody who thinks this is a recession is bananas. Uh, and yet, law firms seem to largely think it's a recession, despite all the evidence to the contrary. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, any more thoughts on... Uh... 2022 before we move into the first week of 2023 and talk about some of what happened good riddance <laughs> <laughs> haven't, like, haven't we been saying that for years though i mean <laughs> yes yeah right we say that uh, every year um well uh we've got, got a bunch of interesting stuff that happened this week uh but on on this topic uh, i guess of layoffs and and uh and and how the uh recession is affecting legal tech companies we've talked a couple of times about uh rain in court we were more or less uh offering the obituary for rain in court and yet there's news today stephanie of rain in court so what's going on i mean well the roller coaster ride continues i can't tell exactly tell you exactly but um yeah, they announced today that first, I mean, the, the only official announcement I saw was that they are making, they're now making their app store available to individual users for the first time free for a 12 year or a 12 month free subscription. It seems to be more limited than their bigger enterprise level subscriptions of it. Um, they cited tough times in it. Um, I think they tried to spin that a little bit towards law firms and lawyers can't afford technology. So maybe that's the tough times. Um, although following everything else that seems questionable. And then a couple hours later, turns out Christian Lang is leaving. 
Um, it's not, it's not a firing as far as you can tell. It looks like he's going to stay on in some advisory capacity and he hasn't said where he's going next, but certainly does not bode well, those two combined pieces of news. So I feel like whatever positive spin anyone might've tried to put on the first official announcement is pretty dampered in my opinion by the exit of Christian Lang. And he lives over there too, right? So like, it, well, he only, he was just promoted two months ago also. Yeah. It, so, so Sorry. what'd you say? Moving back to the States. Right. Right. Well, and, and yeah, and that's kind of my thing. Like he had relocated over there. So like leaving is not like, Oh, you know, the place down the street just offered me a job. He's like, re it's a serious move. He has to come back. And yeah. I think this is part of the cost thing, you know, further cost cutting exercise that yeah. they're doing. Yeah, who's but who's left there? I mean, so legal tech trivia is that he lives in the apartment owned by uh, Jeroen Plink, who's the uh, in, uh, in investor in the uh, legal tech legal technology hub, uh, legal tech directory, and uh, on the board of Case Text and and other 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 things. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it really. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure. I even understand the news that came out today. I mean. I don't know exactly how individuals at law firms use Rain in court because I mean the whole I the, the basic idea of it was was to have this sort of sandbox deployment platform where where firms could test cloud applications in a, in a safe and secure environment. Uh, and uh, I mean, how does a individual lawyer or or IT person or whatever at a, at a law firm go in and do that? I don't I don't get what that means, but. I, I don't either. I mean, it looks <laughs> like the, am I on mute? No, I'm not. No. Um, it looks like the other, the other levels where they seem to, I guess I would assume make their money, these premium and enterprise levels give you unlimited access to white label version of the software, as well as single sign-on integration and other tools. And also lets you deploy and manage cloud-based apps in private cloud-based infrastructure that you can control, is what it says. So those are the extra bells and whistles of the platforms that are not in the free thing, but I still, I don't know. All gamers know that when it goes free to play, there starts to become microtransactions. And that's uh, that seems like what we're hearing there. I, well, well, yeah, you know, I we assumed it was sort of a way to get pe more people in. And then when they realize there's more they could do with it, then they'll find they'll pay for it. It's just a way to get in. You know, it's the free trial. It's how they get you in with yeah. the free trial of Amazon Prime. And then, you know. 12 months is a long time for a free trial, though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's we up with that particular number. We talked about this on... We talked about this on a previous episode, like not even all that long ago. Uh, I don't have an encyclopedic memory, but it was like six or seven weeks ago, we had a discussion about this. And one of the things we talked about was what are the problems, uh, challenges facing them was that in a, my take was a lot of what they do is really cool for small lawyers who don't necessarily understand tech to be able to have a safe environment to do that. But their marketing was entirely to exactly the kind of customer that doesn't need that. Uh, big firms that can afford IT departments and consultants of their own. And so it was a mismatch of a good idea that just happened to be aimed at people who didn't need it. And so, maybe so that's my, where we are now. So the feedback, so I've got quite a lot of feedback, although I've been slightly remiss about actually writing any of it. But um, <laughs> so it's great to be able to talk about it here with you guys. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, so I've heard that it was 
the feedback I've had so far is quite prohibitively expensive. Um, and that also in terms of law firms, that now they are becoming more cloud savvy. Now they've got their own Azure environments that actually some of the some of the um things that Rain and Court addressed are less of an issue um, in terms of security, etc. So, but um in uh, yeah, so there, there's and there's yeah, so I think there's been you know a lot of issues that that perhaps you know that it, it no longer remedies but then in terms of the um individual access so the feedback i've got so far although obviously it's very new today so the, the idea someone one of the vendors said i like the idea of opening up access to individuals from a vendor perspective it potentially enables a bottom-up growth model that's very different to the top-down model you get from working with centralized procurement gatekeepers at law firms so it'd be interesting to see how this, you know, whether this can get them out of what's a really tight fix at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I, Joe, I'm not sure I agree with you that this was a, sort of a mis market mismatch because I, I mean, I think the very much the intention from the beginning was uh, th that that you know big firms have been hindered in adopting cloud technology because they're concerned about uh, the security aspects of of using the cloud. Uh, and therefore, they want to go through these de deployments uh, on their own uh, servers in order to kind of test them out behind their firewall. And uh, that whole process of, of getting that licensing in place and, and doing those deployments and all of that can take forever. And, and uh, you know, the, 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 the uh, testing and, and sales cycle and, you know, drags on forever and ever. And so the idea, you know, is to say, let's create this, again, this kind of sandbox idea or whatever, where you can go in uh, and and we've containerized all this stuff, make it easier for you to, to deploy. We've got the licenses all in place for you, so you can just do it. Uh, you know, I, th I always thought it was a really good idea, frankly. Uh, so, I, I mean, I, I think that that as you know, I think Caroline's point that the expense was probably an issue. I think some of the software products had trouble uh, kind of setting up the whole containerization and 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 you know actually just getting on to the directory in the first place. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it, in theory, it it could have made sense. And the and maybe, the other, sorry, oh, you go. Oh, I was just, oh, I was just going to say to to that specific point. Maybe maybe friendly amendment of what I said is. Uh, four to five years ago, that might well have been a perfect match. I, I'm, I feel like, especially post-COVID, law firms have figured out that they can do cloud stuff. Uh, they figured out that they can test cloud stuff on their like. I think it's. I think the market has changed uh, in a way in which those firms are now robust enough to kind of get around it. Well, that's what I was going to say. In part, what they provided was a bridge to the cloud, and once everyone's over that bridge, they don't need the bridge anymore. And so I think in some ways they uh, created a product that reduced the need for the product in the long run, so or a service, if you will. So but I agree. I agree. Oh, so it's a, and actually speaking to vendors, they 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 do sort of say that you know this whole idea. It's not just that the law firm can do it, but it's about that whole sales cycle, isn't it? And and the fact the law firms are more familiar. They've got these cloud environments that that addresses the security bit, but. The, for the for the startups who need to get things done quick, they don't want to go through the same RFP. They don't want to have the same conversations, and they can't survive off, often within the the normal sales cycle of a law firm. So actually, I still feel that Rain and Court answers that problem, which is you know how to how you sort of speed things up and how you stop them having to repeat the same exercise. You go right, well, this is where we are, and then take it from here, which makes it. I think I still see 
the business case, even in the current environment, personally. Go mute. So then do you think this free subscription will help them in any way? I, I'm not, I'm not, to be perfectly honest with you, um, I think one of the issues they're going to face, I think they're going to have to build up trust again. Um, I know that obviously they've got serious backing from some serious law firms who will want them to succeed. Um, I do feel like, you know, they're going to have to, re it's a trust from speaking to people you know, within the knowledge management sector, you know, there's going to be, they're going to have to earn trust back, I think, um, because what they're doing is they're saying, you can trust us to do this, to to sort of um, get you past the stage. And, you know, and, and Andy will know that, you know, this is, they're going to have to rebuild some of that trust in the market. And I personally hope they do. I really like them as an organisation. Um, obviously, you've had a lot of departures. So Rich Rifkin has now gone to INTAP. He announced on LinkedIn. So that's another one of the senior people who's no longer with Rainer Court. Um, so yeah, no, I think, but I I mean, I, I hope they do. I personally, I think that there's a real place for them in the market and they've obviously had a lot of money, a lot of investment from law firms. Um, but I think, you know, I do think it was, I do think they're in a very tricky position. Well, and plus they're, they're without, without that whole sort of, I don't know, implementation or deployment layer or whatever for an individual employee, what, I mean, what are they basically just a tech directory and, and, Guess what? I have a tech directory. Uh, Legal Technology Hub is a tech directory. Uh, you know, there's other tech directories out there uh, for the legal world, and and, and uh, you know, it, it it's not it, that's not a business model for uh, what Rain and Court was trying to achieve. Uh, you know, in the past, uh, and uh, given the kind of financing they've had, uh, that you know. I, I don't I don't see it really uh, being survivable for them as as uh, as an alternative. But maybe I'm just not understanding what they're doing right now. Um, all right. Uh, so uh, let's see. Wait, uh, back back in the way back days of Saturday Night Live, the when Chevy Chase used to do the news every week, he used to do this continuing gag story about Generalissimo Franco. Francisco Franco is still dead. And I, I'm wondering uh, how Rico is, uh, is Rico still dead? Uh, so what's interesting is I actually don't have the most recent news on this. Uh, so Rico went down uh, last week. Uh, we didn't really get a chance to talk about it because we were doing our prediction show, but uh, the, one of the biggest e-discovery hosts, crashed uh it went down uh they pulled it off they said there was some uh fear of unauthorized access and out of an abundance of caution they took it offline then then they just didn't bring it back uh it days went by they kept telling customers you know we're investigating it doesn't look like there's been access uh then of course they said they said there was no compromised data or access and then they updated that with there's been no compromised data and no indication of access to databases which led some people to wonder what that meant uh obviously it might well be an innocent rephrasing but we're dealing with lawyers so whenever you change something like that it's just a big red flag like why did you change your phrasing uh to something more specific Time went on, time went on. Eventually, they said earlier this week they were going to be back Wednesday. We're marking a whole week down. Uh, they were going to be back online at 8 a.m. But then 
then they informed everyone at 8 a.m. that it was going to be later in that day, probably. And that's uh, that's where I last heard. So it may be back. Uh, if it is, though, it was still down for a whole week. And it was still an instance of no one necessarily knowing what happened, uh, whether data had been been seen or seemingly not compromised. That's one thing that they were willing to claim, whatever, you know, how specific that term is. But, you know, this is this is always the concern. We've said one of the benefits of the cloud and these sorts of services is it's a lot easier to put all your eggs in one basket and then watch that basket. But, you know, sometimes that also makes that basket a target. And sometimes you end up with this sort of situation. Oh, my no, favorite I mean, part, though, is as it was going down, of course, they uh, they sent a since you mentioned South, since you mentioned old school Saturday Night Live, let me be old school too. Uh, they the uh, legal office of Rico sent all of their customers a letter that they could use. Uh, they could hand out to people, judges and say like this, please excuse me from not meeting my discovery deadline signed Epstein's mom. Uh, so that was my old school reference for anyone who gets that one. Yeah. I, I mean, it must have been, I, I mean, they can, they could be talking about a ransomware attack when they talk about files, not being accessed or that kind of thing. I mean, uh, you know, that may be it, in a ransomware attack. I, I mean, they can lock down all the files, but not access them. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's conceivable that that's what they're talking about. We don't, we don't know, but, but, uh, it sounds certainly sounds like something like that. Who knows? All right. Uh, all right. Uh, so other in other news this week, um, well, I was going to say, take, I, I, yeah, I, say yeah. I, I kind of wish Joe had used the Rico Suave headline um, that he that he that he put uh, on, on, on the uh, on, on the on, on our, well, we have an internal Google 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 Doc that we use to put our list of stories on there. And he put Rico not Suave on there. And I was hoping I sure did. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, I, I was kind of hoping he had put that on the original, on the original post uh, uh, as the headline. But yeah, I I, 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 I wanted to mention that because a few people in the comments were like, "Where was Rico not Suave?" And I was like, "Oh, don't worry, it's in the internal document." <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but how many, how, how many, how many people, like, how many people reading above the law do you think would, would actually get that reference? Though, I mean. That's the sad thing. I, I I think I ended up. I I debated whether I put Epstein's mom in there. I think I ultimately did. Uh, but I I certainly know that I am basically the last. I'm probably the youngest person who was going to get welcome back Cotter references. Uh, <laughs> but I still put it in there because principles. I think it's I just, funny that the viewers know you so well that they predicted that you would latch onto that concept <laughs> of Rico Suave. <laughs> I just assumed that was the actual title, knowing you. <laughs> I did too. Until you just told me it wasn't. <laughs> That's the best. That's the best compliment writer-wise, that everyone was like, what you clearly were thinking was dot dot dot. I think uh Welcome Back Cotter has got to be still airing on some cable network somewhere, but it was on Nick and Knight for the longest time. Um, yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's still around. Oh, it's still around. Nick at Night though is showing like shows from the early two thousands at this point. I think. I'm going to be singing that theme song all weekend in my mind. Um, it's a good one. <laughs> by by the, the lead singer of Love and Spoonful. Yeah, that's right too, John Sebastian. Nick, Nick at Night now shows Friends. 
All right, that's good to know. All right, well, I think we've covered everything important here. Uh, I, I'm going to uh, I'm going to uh, take my story, I, I think, out of order here. Just I think it was a, a notable story this week uh, of a merger that uh, I sure as heck didn't see coming. Uh, I, I thought it was a really interesting one. Uh, the merger of Lawyerist and Affinity Consulting. Uh, these are two, uh, you know, sort of consulting coaching companies in the legal tech law practice management space. Uh, Lawyerist started out as a blog way back when by, by Sam Glover and then uh, kind of morphed into this, you know, resource for solo and small firm lawyers on how to how to build a, a firm and a bunch of articles and, and uh, videos and all of that. And then they, uh, in more recent years, evolved into becoming one of these practice coaching uh, services uh, where they, uh, you know, lawyers, uh, as I understand it, kind of subscribe to their service and, you know, get regular ongoing uh, coaching uh, and consulting on, on building out a law practice. Uh, and it's by all accounts been a, a, a pretty good business for them. And then, uh, you know, Affinity Consulting is one of the really best known uh, legal tech consulting firms focused more on the implementation side, uh, you know, you, you get uh, net documents at your firm, they come in and help you get it all set up, uh, whatever. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, a, 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 a partnership of some 80 or so people, many of whom are more than 80 people who are, you know, very well known names in the, in the legal tech world uh, is, you know, a, a couple of, I think, former tech show chairs among them, uh, any solo, small, or, or even medium firm tech conference you go to, there's going to be somebody from Affinity uh, on the panel talking about legal tech. Uh, so uh, the merger was, I think, really interesting. And they're going to maintain the, the two brands still, Lawyerist stays Lawyerist. Um, and uh, uh, the uh, also I think interesting is, is that Aaron Street, who had been CEO of Lawyerist until last year, and he left, and then Stephanie Everett stepped into that role. But Aaron is coming back into the company uh, and and rejoining this merged company. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see what they do. I mean, they're talking about kind of you know uh, cross pollinating in a sense uh, that that this whole sort of coaching model of of uh, Lawyerists can sort of move up into some of the more mid-sized firms that uh, Affinity works with, and and that a lot of Affinity's tech tech expertise uh, can maybe sort of trickle down in the sense of being kind of packaged up and made available to smaller firms and in a more affordable way than direct consulting. Um, so, uh, I don't know, interesting news. I Wait, you didn't see? You didn't expect this? You know, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep referencing things before I was born until uh, we're well, gotten through. We're jumping around in different, different shows now. Like, I mean, different... yeah. Unfortunately, that was not before I was born. Spanish Inquisition was before I was born, but not... I think it's not a really joke. oh good. <laughs> I think it's a really interesting and smart partnership because. Uh, what the cloud has always meant for firms that deal with implementation is that it's often in some ways reduces 
especially as you get into the solo and smalls, um, the amount of money they can make, right? Because when you're not dealing with constantly having to come in every year just to reconcile the software, what you know, and do new software updates onto their premises-based systems. When you the cloud removes a lot of that from the table so that people don't need IT firms in that way. You know, they need them to maintain their hardware, but not to deal with all the licensing and all the updates and all the conflicts between software. And so, um, but what people do need as the cloud becomes more and more prevalent is guidance. But it's not always that long-term guidance, but it's that guidance up front. But that guidance up front doesn't give you this annuity client, for lack of a better word, that's going to need to pay you every year. Um, but that one-off guidance is necessary. And then when they may need to upgrade or add new things to the mix, um, I think what it does is it provides both of them with more leads in the funnel that they can cross-pollinate, which is a word that you just used, Bob. But um, it's a way for both companies to use the um, uh, branding that they already have, the familiarity in the in industry that they already have, the clients and leads that they already have, and kind of amplify them and also provide a lot of value because lawyers oftentimes don't want to do the upfront research themselves. You know, They want someone to tell them these are the best companies, but the bar associations won't do it, um, or that this is the right tool for you. And so this is a really interesting way, I think, that it's going to provide firms of all sizes with that kind of consultation and um, uh, advice, both on a one-off, like on actually choosing it or implementing it and figuring out how to use it in the long term. But I think it's a really interesting um, uh, partnership, and I think it's or acquisition, not even partnership, but I think it'll be really, really interesting to see how this um, affects. And I think ultimately it's going to help lawyers make tech decisions. It's a really interesting observation, read the cloud, Nikki, and, and um, I hadn't really thought about that side of it. But I think that, you know, the, this really brings together the, the tech and the people bit. Sometimes the people get overlooked. Sometimes you know, there's very much a focus on the technology. And actually, as we know, adoption is really terrible. The people almost get forgotten, you know, and I think I'm not actually I mean, I did write about this. I'll post a link to it in the chat, but um and got kind of sort of a steer because I was I my question was um to the both the CEOs of lawyers and affinity was why are these better together than you know what what makes it a better business what what, what is it that it brings and, and they were saying um you know that it's all about starting and growing a healthy law firm from all the different angles um and I actually find it I also like you find it quite compelling I have to say post it in the chat All right. Um, well, as we've uh, alluded to uh, already, uh, lots of chat about chat GPT and GPT 3.5 and whatever else is coming down the road. But uh, Victor, you had a story this week that suggests that some people are taking the attitude of uh, hear no evil, see no evil uh, toward toward all of this. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was. Uh, well, I mean, the so the story that I had was that um, New York, uh, New York, New York public schools have blocked access to it because they're worried that um, you know, for, I mean, they're, they're mainly worried that kids are going to use it to cheat on their assignments. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, hey, my generation, we had the uh, the buying term papers off the buying term papers off the internet thing. Uh, I'm sure there was there was something before that that um, you know, um, there's always a way to cheat, right? There's always ways to do it, and it's just like. 
Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, you know, there, there, there also, there also, there's also concerns about inaccuracy in, in the results and whatnot. And and you know, I mean, after after the whole after after the whole thing with you know when it first came out, you know, like I think like like the rest of you, I played around with it as well, and I found I found some things that you know uh, came up that weren't correct. But you know, I mean, that but that's the thing, right? It's just like you know, you 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 improve the, you improve the technology through using it and through training it and whatnot. It's not meant to be you know just a complete substitute for you know your own way of doing research and your own methods and whatnot. But you know, I guess I guess what they're worried about is that because it's because it's 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 you know it's not quite plagiarism because you're not copying something you're well you're copying what ChatGPT comes up with but you're not copying something that's been published by someone else or or that's already that's already has a copyright on it or whatnot and so you know yeah I I I I, I understand sort of the 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 implication of that and sort of why why um why 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 students would be you know drawn to something like that especially if they don't feel like doing the work. But um, but yeah, I mean, it also kind of strikes me as the same kind of issue with like when Wikipedia first came out. People were worried, oh well, you know, there's so much fake fake stuff on there that we have to ban people from using it, and therefore they won't rely on it and whatnot. I was like, well, yeah, but on the other hand, you also cut them off from you also cut them off from a certain area of, of technology that can be used well, and you also you also you also kind of um, you know cut them off from being able to kind of then use that as a jumping off point to then doing your own research and 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 whatnot and, and coming up with something on your own. So. I guess, but but you know, knowing 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 students and knowing how how they can be, I guess I can understand why that would be a compelling argument to not allow it. So it'll be interesting to, 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 to see if more if more schools kind of jump on that. I mean, New York, New York, New York. Helps, I mean, I you know, I I, I used to live in I used to live in the city. Um, you know, they're 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 definitely a very powerful um, a very powerful group and a very um, you know um, they're one of the groups that, that 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 get a lot of attention and a lot of you know a lot of a lot of attention from the media and, and people tend to follow them or whatnot. So. We'll see if this catches on with other with other school districts and whatnot. I think I, th I think it might. So we'll see. Well, but in, it's ultimately a little bit silly, though, isn't it? Because it's not like the students only access the internet through the devices and network at the school. They have smartphones when they're like twelve or ten years and up, and they access through their data on their smartphones. They access the internet through their home, you know, network on a, you know Wi-Fi and through Starbucks Wi-Fi, whatever. They're going to be able to access ChatGPT all over the place. So blocking it from just the New York City schools is kind of stupid. It doesn't even do anything other than kind of look like a weird, not necessarily positive PR stunt because it's a stupid thing to do in the first place. So I think it's kind of a, I think it's an interesting move, but I think it's weird. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. The, the current New York City government makes symbolic but ultimately empty gestures? No. No, not this administration. Yeah, I mean, I was actually like, I think this is I was a little bit naivete on my part because I had always thought about, you know, using it to plagiarize college essays and things. And when it got to be like New York City public schools, I was like, oh, right, the kids use technology these days. But <laughs> in terms of not just, I mean, just the pure cheating and your point that you can access it from anywhere, it was related a little bit is that I thought it was interesting that probably for the higher levels, I don't think, I don't know that elementary schools would, invest in this, but they're working on a way to put a watermark within the actual, like the metadata of it. So you can see if the text you submit was generated by ChatGPT. Just so, ask ChatGPT. Yeah, that's my question too. I'm not sure how that works, but there were, I mean, they, they're clearly cognizant of this issue. And I mean, if they could figure out some sort of inherent watermark, that's just, 
I don't know. This just keeps opening other avenues, which is I mean, fascinating. If you put it in the notes app, it erases all the, I'm pretty sure that there are really easy ways to erase all of the uh, metadata and just have text. So I don't know. I feel like you just gotta, it's just like everything else. Like um, uh, I think Bob, uh, Wikipedia, like I, I can't remember who said, talked about Wikipedia, but it's, you know, the kids had encyclopedias before that and they copied out of the encyclopedias. It's like everything else. Like tech is just an extension of other tech and of like the actual, you know, written stuff, whatever the old school stuff. And we've been dealing with these issues forever and kids are always going to cheat. They shouldn't. My kids, of course, never did, but you know, everyone else is do. <laughs> and to this point also, like the encyclopedias, I actually think this is, this is much better than that because encyclopedias used to be the sort of thing that was a mark of privilege that like would would replicate itself uh people who had the the families who had a set of encyclopedias at home were not every family and those kids were able to copy everything out of it and get an a on the paper because nobody could check it you know like I mean, we all joked in the 90s, not joked, we thought it was serious then, that the internet was in its, it was going to be this thing that democratized uh, access in the universe, and that didn't turn out. But this is one that, at least right now, is democratizing access to good cheating. Uh, <laughs> you can get access to this in ways that rich kids could always. Uh, and, and like, look, wait, this is also the the week that the varsity blues mastermind got sentenced but like people used to be able to leverage their wealth into good cheating now you everyone can i love but now that. but now go ahead Caroline. no i love that i was just gonna say also given the profession that they're going into you know and, and the, the kind of um the i've got kids running around my house as usual uh and given you know that obviously the i i'm not naive enough to think that every legal professional is going to be above the law joe too but um you know it feels like <laughs> this, it feels like this is totally the wrong tack to take right that, that just by blocking it you know you're supposed to be teaching ethics and, and values and being above you know and not being above the law i suppose it's quite the opposite actually but, you know being you know being and and, and by saying well actually we're going to treat you like five-year-olds and 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 um you know we're just going to block it seems to be completely the wrong tack Above the law is the wrong thing. I was saying. Sorry, that was the... <laughs> that was the wrong expression. Hey, you, you and everyone else in the legal industry say that to me all the time. <laughs> it, seems, it seems nuts that they're going. You know that that yeah. Anyway, but but we will never. We will now. We will never know who actually authored something. I mean, I mean, this week I wrote a poem about Stephanie, and I got a comment on LinkedIn saying, "But I thought ChatGPT wrote that." And I was offended. I mean, who knows? You know, you just never know anymore. I've got to tell you, Bob, I'm going to tell you. I put into chat GPT, name some well-known legal tech journalists, and you were the only person it named. I'm still unhappy, and I'm never going to use chat GPT ever again, <laughs> ever. You were using the old version. Oh, <laughs> wow. That, I, that is, I was going to keep it. Why is that not your story? I was going to keep it. Really? Oh my God. And none of none of us, none of us, apart from Bob were on the We should have started <laughs> wow. with that story today. We can so, do a whole episode about that. Next and week. I'm like, how do how do I make my name appear on chat GPT? <laughs> Change it to Bob and Roger. Greg Lambert. Oh, <laughs> oh. All right. uh, for those for those who are not uh 
who are not live with us, who are listening to us on a podcast later, uh, in the comments, we have an answer to that, which was <laughs> it only has data up to 1980. <laughs> 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 oh, we also have, is that why Bob got invited? Was the only one invited to TLC? Exactly, exactly. Because they oh. use chat GPT to make the guest list. That explains it. Sometimes we for sometimes we forget that we see all these live comments and anyone who everyone should listen to us live, of course. But anyone who's <laughs> listening to us on the podcast might be missing these, but it's pure genius. You should join it and join us for live. Yeah. I may be Zoom challenged, but I thought I had actually set this to record the chat as well, but I guess it doesn't record it on the video. There's, it do actually downloads the chat, which is who cares about that, but I don't know if there's a way to embed that in the video so that people can see it uh, when it gets posted. All of these are on YouTube, by the way, if people uh, miss an episode, you can go to YouTube and just search for Legal Tech Week and all of our episodes are up there. Um, so Caroline, was that gonna be your uh, top story of the week? The fact that I showed up in, uh, ChatGPT, no, or did you I have anything else you want to meant, talk about? I meant to keep it a secret, but unfortunately, oh, okay. I'm a really yeah. Well, we won't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, at least at least I didn't mention it in public. Um, you know, so I, yeah, to be honest, my stories are not sure compared to some of the drama. Um, so I quite liked the Walters Clear acquisition of Della. That was quite interesting. Um, and then also there's the um, Proscar Rose COO, who's um, alleged to have overridden internal procedures um in order to steal confidential information that that was filed just before christmas um he denies it i should say and it is alleged um but the i thought that was quite interesting um because we talk a lot about security and compliance but in the complaint that was filed at the end of december the firm claims that uh he used his position as coo they, they've got they've got controls internally to stop people copying um, information to USB sticks and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but their allegation is that he used his position to persuade an IT employee to do it for him, saying that it was for an external consultant. Um, and also used, uh, alleged that, uh, that uh, he persuaded a, any discovery assistant to delete emails, even though he was under a hold. Um, so it's just, it was just got me thinking, you know, irrespective of that like we you can have all of the controls in the world you know in terms of we talk a lot about security and compliance but it just got me thinking about you know um how obviously in that kind of situation uh it it potentially just all falls, all, all falls down but it doesn't they got him and it was a dumb that they got him he's the chief operating officer he and he doesn't realize there's a 30-day look back. They got him because he had done all this garbage on his system within 30 days of telling him they were going to leave. Yeah, because he quit on the 20 a 30, Do it 31 days. That's not legal advice, <laughs> but do it 31 days. How is this guy? How is this guy a chief operating officer and not understand what the IT department's policies are like i was blown away by how stupid this was and the litigation hold thing it, that'll be the nice part of this the litigation hold thing does you know it is the absolute proof of concept for all of those vendors that we talk to you know case point i know like uh, all these vendors who have been like you know what we introduced features about litigation holds that allow it to be like a switch flipped by central yeah that's why you do this for this exact reason. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I, I didn't think it was a, a story about it all falling down. I thought it was a story of it all working and 
if anything, a story about how it might not have worked had this person been 1% smarter. And by 1%, I mean <laughs> 31 days. Oh, I thought it was a story about how, you know, data loss often occurs more, you know, typically occurs. Everyone's afraid of breach and, you know, you know, brute force attacks and stuff, um, which occasionally happen, but more often than not, it's an employee. You know, yeah. you have an employee that either makes a stupid move by clicking on a phishing link or else an employee who steals the data. Oftentimes your employees are your weakest link and people are to be a lot more worried about that than they are about, um, you know, uh, brute force attacks because most law firms are too small and don't have enough don't have enough really interesting and useful information to have to be subject to a brute force attack, but they have enough information that's going to be valuable somewhere <laughs> to someone. So they, and the, but their employees are the weakest link. We, so that's what really st stood out to me for it with it. We talk, I think in the seniority, so we talk a lot about insiders being the weakest link. So with emails, you know, we've talked about it for a long time, you know, like your insiders are your weakest link. It's very unlike, but this, I mean, it's, there have been two stories in, in in the press recently, haven't there? You know about the, the C-suite being um, in the line of fire in terms of um, you know being um, you know alleged impropriety. And I just think it, if that that was the interesting angle. We talked a lot about insiders. We talked a lot about how to prevent against you know people being making dumb mistakes. But but this just jumped out because not very often that we write about the C-suite um, in this kind of context. Not all that often. All right. Well, uh, anything else? Anybody else want to uh, talk about? I know uh, actually, uh, I don't know, we want to touch real quick stuff about your other story about the uh, do not pay. That was kind of an interesting one um, that, that came up uh, in a couple of minutes we have left here. Yeah, more chat GPT. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, do not pay has been incorporating it as more than a lot of people. And their new thing is that because they first started using it to fight traffic tickets and now they're actually sending a robo lawyer to court. I just chat GPT with a cell phone or I don't know how it actually works, but they have a person who has agreed to let chat GPT go to court or do not pay, go to court on their behalf and deal with whatever the outcome is and have them solely just argue the ticket. Yeah. So the way it's going to work, the way I understand that from what I read is that the person is going to go into court, but it's going to have chat GPT, I mean, not chat GPT, going to have do not pay running on their phone and their headphones or something and they're not going to say anything that the app doesn't tell them to say so the app will be listening to what happens in court and then tell the person what to say in response to what happens in court uh i want to know which judge in the world is allowing that to happen because no judge no courtroom i've ever been in would allow that to be happening but and they won't say they, they're not saying what court or or who the person is for privacy reasons i guess i i've been in a traffic court before <laughs> That is Good. not the same level of judge. That, I don't want to besmirch anyone out there, but that is not the same level of judge that you might be used to. I mean, I don't even know if they clear it because the yeah. person, like, you can just walk into traffic court without a, anything, right, on your own. So they, the judge might not even know that. Some courts in Massachusetts won't even let you bring a mobile phone into the courtroom. Well, so. I don't know if anyone's watching Murderville on Netflix, but it's that's a whole part of the shtick. It's about yeah. how the actors, um, everyone is scripted except for the comedian that's the guest. And at one point, every during every single episode, one of the um, actors who has a script 
tells the other, the comedian who's the guest to put in an earphone and go into this situation and say everything that the person tells them to say. And it's always ends up being just a ridiculous mess. So I, you know, I, I think pe people should watch one episode of Murder, which is well, very funny. Well, but also to see how Wait, well, this goes to this goes to Caroline because Murderville is an adaptation of a British show, which I assume she's more familiar with. Yes or no? You're muted. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, oh, really? It's it uh, went for like multiple seasons what, in the UK before it came here. Was it um, Midsummer Murders? No, 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 no. It's um, it's uh they had like trying, Emma... so i was trying to find the link murder to my in successville. <laughs> murder in successville yes that's what it was i don't know i don't know that doesn't sound like a big hit over here i'm not gonna lie but then i'm not a massive tv watcher <laughs> it's bbc it's bbc3 is that, is that streaming yeah uh, yeah i don't want yeah i'm not sure i didn't watch that Fair enough. Point is, it's it's a cute concept that the Americans now have. And so, like a lot of great things, we're going to claim that we run it now. <laughs> like Prince Harry. Like, it's like, like Prince Harry. I, I we were going to get through the whole thing without <laughs> mentioning. Didn't we agree that we were not going to mention Prince Harry? <laughs> I don't think we talked about that. No, no I'm one great. agreed to I'm that. Wow. Well, <laughs> Caroline, Caroline's channeling her inner Queen Elizabeth. I've decided we're not going to talk about this. <laughs> hey. oh God. No, it's uh, yeah, it's everywhere here, as you can imagine. It probably is everywhere there as well. Um, and I, my favorite no. tweet with regard to make, make it Prince Harry was, "Please, someone make it stop." <laughs> you know what's what's interesting? We have that tweet here too, except it's about <laughs> Kevin McCarthy's votes for speaker. Yeah. I feel like that should be the motto for 2023. Just please, someone make, make it, it stop. stop. <laughs> it's so true, and it's only day six. What can no, go? No, it's going to be a good year. It's going to be a good year. And we will be back to talk more about what a good year it was next week. And hopefully there'll be some interesting stuff to talk about next week. So uh, until then, everybody have a great week. And thanks for uh, joining us today. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.